0: You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. It is time for another Locked On Indians podcast. We're going to finish up the all-time series today, but we kind of have to dip back into our previous episode to do that. Um, For this final fifth spot, I think we have to talk a little bit about Mel Harder and early win. We're going to kind of lead off with that. Uh, move into talking about Sam McDowell and Bob Lemon, and uh, because specifically Mel Harder had a lot to do with Lemon, Win, and McDowell and their success. So let's just start right there. So Mel Harder, as we talked about in terms of uh, Indians all-time production, is right up there. He is third all-time in WAR for the Indians, and he just he pitched for. 18 years, I want to say, with the Indians. It was a long, I'm sorry, 20 years. His entire career from age 18 to age 37, he pitched for the Cleveland Indians. Now, in fairness, he didn't really pitch more than a handful of innings in the majors until 1930. He would have, uh, at age 20, that's the year he would, by now, uh, nowadays standards. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, he pitched 49 innings and, as an 18-year-old and 17.2 as a uh, 19 year old. So he would not have been a rookie in his third year, but that's still where he kind of got off the ground uh, running. And when he retired, he moved into the role of pitching coach for the Cleveland Indians. Now, this is important because um, as a pitching coach, uh, early win, we'll talk about that trade in a second, but um, early win had struggled. He was coming off a, a down year, and that's part of the reason the Indians were able to acquire him uh, in. I mean, frankly, one of the best deals in Indians' history. And when he came to Cleveland, uh, it was Mel Harder who taught him uh, the, gave him credit is giving credit for teaching him a curveball, a knuckleball, and several other kind of uh, secondary pitches. Uh, Bob Lemon was an infielder uh, with the Indians to begin with, and Mel Harder helped him transition to uh, becoming a pitcher. So he also, you know, he had started out as a utility player, and moved to pitcher. And again, that was Mel Harder coaching. Uh, He helped develop Sam McDowell um, as well. And then you kind of go down the list. And while these guys we didn't talk about as much, um, you know, guys like Louis Tian, that's Louis Tian. That's someone else who he helped develop. So while Mel Harder doesn't make this list, uh, his impact is impossible to ignore. Not just because he's third all time in baseball reference war, and that he pitched twenty years, but then after those twenty years were done, he spent sixteen years as a coach and helped develop uh one of the most fearsome pitching staffs that the Indians have ever had. Uh, you look at those teams of the fifties, that's a lot of that is thanks to Mel Harder, uh, who for all of his hard work ended up getting fired uh down the road. But that's why he had to spend some time there. So let's talk about early win, uh and how the Indians got him in kind of a mind-boggling deal. So he was an all-star in 47, but in 48, he had struggled. He actually led the league and earned runs for the Nationals, went 8-19, 5.82 ERA, a 74 ERA+, 4.3 walks per nine to just 2.2 strikeouts. He wasn't fooling anyone, and he was, you know, that was his age 28 year. The other player that got in that deal, and, you know, early win, you look at it, uh, at age 28... He has one all-star game, two top 25 finishes uh, for the MVP. He's not really up there in terms of any statistical leadership. This is a guy who is in the Hall of Fame almost entirely for everything that happened after the age of 30. So it's kind of phenomenal, and we'll get to that. But it wasn't just um, you know, the future Hall of Fame pitcher they got in that deal. They also got Mickey Vernon, who in another oddity would go on to have his best stretch... From age 35 to 40, Um, he was coming off a possibly the worst season I've ever seen uh, for a first baseman who was an All Star. He hit 242, 310 on base, uh, uh, 332 slugging. Uh, So his overall OPS was 641. uh, Relative to the rest of the league, that's an OPS plus of 73. So he's a well below average bat. Uh, relative to the league while playing first base still made the all-star team that year so I'm sure that was the headline in that deal was likely the Indians acquire former all-star pitcher and current all-star first baseman Mickey Vernon Uh, they would acquire him in 48 and then they would reacquire him in 58 and when the Indians traded him away in 49 it was back to the Nationals Uh, he would have a good run between the Nationals and Boston and then Cleveland would uh, trade away kind of a, a whatever type of level arm to get him back when he was 40 years old and 58 and he would make the all-star team and his age 40 season was better than the age 31 or 32 season he had had in cleveland and he would at age uh 35 would win the batting title and finish third in the mvp that was his best eh, best second best It it was an excellent season it was a top season for him so the indians get both those guys who do they trade away well, if you were listening last week, you know that one of the guys was uh, Eddie Ro- uh, Eddie Robinson, who we talked about his not uh, n- troubling background with Larry Doby. Let's just put it that way. Um, he would he'd been a, a league averageish bat um, entering his age twenty eight year. He would make the All Star team with Washington, have a, a pretty strong year for them. Could go on to make four more or three more all-star games four in total uh, is is a, a, a strong bat he was a strong bat for most of his career bounced around a lot though you look at uh, him as a player and you've got seven organizations that he played for all in the American League uh, a 13 year career it's kind of odd because this is the era where <laughs> there is no free agency uh, for a guy in 13 years to play for seven different squads, it either shows extreme inconsistency or it shows that he was, um, rubbing people the wrong way. There's no other way to put that because there is the production, uh, to kind of show that he shouldn't have maybe bounced around as much. Now in fairness, his last two years were just him trying to find a home when he was at age 35 and 36 were not strong years for him. And, Kansas City, Baltimore, and Detroit were all stops that were kind of short ones towards the end there for for Robinson. The other players that gave up, uh, Ed Kleinman was a reliever, and in '47 he actually led the league in saves. But uh, that didn't quite have the value it does nowadays. But he had been a pretty solid reliever in '47 and '48 for the Indians. But still, it's a, a reliever in an area that has in an era era that had no uh, value for them. So you're looking at a, a reliever. At that point, a good, like an average bat, a reliever. And then the third player in that deal, uh, it's kind of fascinating to look at is Joe Hayes. Now, Hayes in 48 had been an all-star for the White Sox. He is an odd, odd pitcher because again, looking at the 30s, 40s, and 50s, he had a 14-year career, but his highest pitching count or inning count was 177 innings. This is in the area where everyone had over 200 as a starter, and he was making 20-some starts a year couldn't stay healthy. And the Indians acquired him for a backup catcher. I'm laughing because they acquired him for a backup catcher on November 24th. And then they traded him in that deal to the nationals on December 14th. So he wasn't even in Cleveland a month, never played for the the Indians. So they ship off uh, a pitcher who's kind of at the end, a reliever who's been good, but actually peaked in 47 and 48 and a solid um, infield bat. And they get uh, two really strong players, one who turns into a Hall of Famer, and early win is a cornerstone. You know, we talk about with that 50, the '54 Indians team, like that is when Bob Feller is starting to kind of come undone. That's where age is starting to have its effect on him, and it is Win McDowell, and uh, well, not as much McDowell at that point. It's more Win and Lemon that are kind of the core of that '54 team in terms of pitching. Uh, the Indians would ship off Win after his age 37 year, and he would just keep chugging along, and that's where it is. I mean, it's his age 38 year, he's an all-star, 39, all-star, and wins the Cy Young, age 40, all-star again. I feel like Well, maybe it's just, you know, uh, maybe he wasn't that good. His age 38 year and his age 37 year in uh, Cleveland were below average. So those are more name value uh, things, but his Cy Young year, I mean, he was phenomenal. And his age 40 year, he was strong as well. After that, you know what, his 40... year was strong. 42, we start to see the wheels kind of come off a bit. And he comes to Cleveland for 55 innings at age 43 and is actually really good over those 55 innings. But that's the end of the career. And he goes in the Hall of Fame. And I just, I can't quite put him in. Uh, Phenomenal pitcher for the Indians. But that's that's a chance to talk about early win. We're going to take a quick commercial break. I want to just do a quick mention of why Mickey Vernon was only in Cleveland for a year and a half, and then we're going to switch over to uh, the other two players that uh, Mel Harder helped develop in uh, Bob Lemon and Sam McDowell for that final spot on the Indians all-time rotation. Okay, you guys know Postmates at this point. I've been talking about Postmates. They've been a sponsor of ours for a while, and now of all times, it is the perfect sponsor. Postmates' whole thing is what you need, when you need it, 24 hours a day seven days a week post it you download the app um for android or ios and it can be fast food late at night it can be groceries from the store it could be something you might need over the counter from the pharmacy post can bring it to your door You just open up the app you look and see what's available and you make your order and it's going to come right to you uh when they bring it here to my apartment building, they often just leave it for you. It's kind of a nice, like no contact delivery system. You grab your stuff, they, you know, leave it there in the bags. And it's, it's just, if you're like me and you got a young kid and feel like you never have enough time. Um, I'm also teaching from home. So there, there is not enough time between watching the kid while trying to do all of that. So that is what Postmates is perfect for right now for a limited time postmates is giving our listeners 100 dollars of free delivery credit for your first seven days to start your deliveries download the app you can get that on ios or android and use the code locked on that's code locked on for 100 dollars of free delivery credit for your first seven days go wild you got 100 bucks of free delivery credit that means everything gets brought to you and you don't have to pay that delivery credit that extra fee for it you're getting your items at what you would pay to get them normally Whenever you need, whenever you need it, post-made it. So we're back. So as I mentioned before the break, uh, the Indians had Mickey Vernon for only a year and a half, and he had gone to greatness after they traded him away. So why did the Indians trade him away? Luke Easter is a fascinating player. Why were the Indians really good in the 50s? Why were they a team that excelled in the 50s? Because of breaking the color barrier in the American League and then not being afraid of, of bringing in African-American players. We'll dig into Luke Easter um, more in another episode because he's a fascinating person. Uh, There's a lot going on there. Uh, I kind of wish I could, you know, I'm going to spend some more time digging into him. But he comes to the Indians, and even on baseball reference, like they don't have a lot of his Negro League stats. So his stats start at age 33, and that is in 49, which is. Vernon's, uh, the season that he gets uh, traded partway through the year. He plays in 48 and halfway through 49, gets traded. And basically, he gets traded because they're intrigued by Luke Easter. And 50, 51, and 52, Luke Easter is maybe the best first baseman in the American League. Hits the ball over 500 feet if you believe reports at the time. Uh, the, the crazy thing is that he's 36 in 1952, has a 141 OPS plus. 31 home runs. Uh, he's a huge man at six foot four, 240 pounds. said, I, we're going to dig into him. There's just going to be a Luke Easter show at some point because uh, it's this three-year peak. And I know, like, Bill James has talked about him as possibly, you know, the greatest first baseman ever, but it's age 34, 35, and 36. And the Indians traded away a future all-star, and you can't argue with the choice. The only crazy thing here is, like, in 53 at age 37... He has 68 games and still a 119 OPS plus. He's still really productive. Entering into 54 though, he just he's hurt and it's his age 38 year and he barely plays. He gets all of six games and six at bats. So the Indians entered 54 and for that fantastic season they had, they were down someone who had been like the center of their lineup in their first baseman. And that kind of explains why they had to go out of their way to make that Vic Wirtz trade and kind of shore things up. But yeah, Luke Easter is a fascinating character. And we, if we're talking about Mickey Vernon, you kind of have to talk about Luke Easter because he's the reason the Indians trade away Vernon and you can't argue with that choice. So let's go back and talk about Bob Lemon versus Sam McDowell. So when you get right down to it, Lemon is 5th, and McDowell is 4th. I'm sorry, that's not true. Lemon is 6th, McDowell is 5th, because Eddie Jost is 4th. So you've got these two players, and Lemon pitched for Cleveland. Uh, he didn't start pitching until 46 with the Cleveland Indians, and it's 94 innings that year before he kind of goes into uh, and ex- becomes you know the, the extended a uh, fantastic player that he is. As a hitter, he actually debuted at age 20 and 41, and at 42 uh, is an infielder, not as a hitter. I should say what he was. And throughout his career, he was not a good uh, in-the-batter's box because this is back when, you know, pitchers hit. And through uh, 1,300 plate appearances, he was a two thirty two hitter, uh, two eighty eight on base, uh, 386 slugging and uh, 674 OPS. So it's a good thing they converted him to pitcher. And the other thing with Lemon is while he played at age 21 and 20 as an infielder in the majors, his 22, 23, and 24 years were lost due to military service. He comes back, makes that transition. And by year three, is an all-star and he would go on to be a seven time all-star for the Indians, um, They're the only team he would pitch for. And he would start from them from 46 through 58. And he was at least an above average, if not all-star level pitcher through 56. His last two years uh, at age 36 and 37, he falls off a bit. But the peak is phenomenal. Uh, It's really, really strong. Uh, He's a right-hander. He led the team. And again, these were teams that were loaded with talent, but he was the guy on those teams. Now, to, to look at the the other side of this is Sam McD- We talk about how uh, Lemon ends his career in 58. Sam McDowell's begins in 61. He's kind of that next wave with Louis Tion. Uh, he would also be one of the guys who's developed under Mel Harder. For McDowell, he is a pitcher all the way. He debuts at age 18 with the Indians, uh, only six innings that year. He wouldn't pitch over 100 innings until his age 21 year in 1964. And then he would go on from 65 through 71, making the All-Star Game every year but one. So that's six All-Star Games in seven years. And uh, while 67 was a rough year for him, the rest of them were... Really strong performances, peaking in his age twenty-two year in nineteen sixty-five, where he finishes seventeenth in the uh, the MVP that year, leads the league in walks, strikeouts, wild pitches, ERA plus FIP, hit rate, home run rate, strikeout rate, and ERA. And this isn't an era. I mean, almost every year for the Indians, outside of that sixty-seven year, he led the league in strikeouts per nine. Uh, he was just a big, big arm. Uh, Eventually, he gets traded to the Giants, and he kind of bounces around from there, uh, goes to the Yankees a bit, goes to Pittsburgh, uh, but at his peak, he was a huge arm who had tremendous success for the Cleveland Indians. And we have to let's just mention a little bit of how the end came for McDowell in Cleveland. Cause it's just an oddity. This is 1971. So yes, it's been a long time, but I don't think of the seventies as like ancient baseball in my mind. So in 71, he was, uh, he came in and he wanted a six figure contract and he held out a spring training for that. He finally signs a contract, but it gets voided by the commissioner because it had illegal incentive clauses. Think about that. That was a time where it was illegal. Uh, He's not as strong as he had been that year and demands a trade, and that's when the Indians ship him off for Frank Duffy, a really strong defender at shortstop, but no bad at all, and Gaylord Perry, who uh, would have a really strong run with the Indians and maybe have the single greatest uh, singular pitching season of any pitcher in Indians history. And, I mean, you can't talk about Sam McDowell uh, without mentioning that he was the inspiration for the Ted Danson character on Cheers as the former pitcher who uh, was a ladies' man and had problems with alcohol. That was Sam McDowell. And it's one of those things you wonder how much more he could have done if the alcohol did not get in his way. Uh, he's kind of one of those guys who was in the hall of very good. And during his his you know era of pitching, there was not a better strikeout guy. He was, even if you go and you look at someone like Bob Feller um, with his stuff, I mean, that was an era where people were not getting high strikeout rates and he was getting 10 strikeouts per nine. Yes, I mean, Bob Feller's era was more the the late 40s and his is more the 60s. We're looking at 20 years difference. But still, there's a reason why he was number one on strikeout rate every year. He was a, a special arm who, when you get right down to it, the numbers at peak were stronger than Lemon, but Lemon had more time in Cleveland. McDowell only had, well, he did have 11 years to Lemon's uh, 13, so Lemon has a few more years on him. Uh, but McDowell actually has the higher award during that time, so you're also, how do you balance it? And for me, what I kind of went and looked at is the playoff experience. And in 48, Lemon was awesome, and in 54, he was terrible. McDowell never got a chance to pitch in the postseason for the Indians. Um, I don't know if he I don't think he got to pitch in the postseason at all. It was a different era. I, I feel like with these two, you can coin flip it. It's really hard for me to say who's four and who's five. I kind of want to lean towards Lemon uh, just because he's the Hall of Famer and McDowell is not. So I, I use that kind of as the, the difference uh, in this. Lemon McDowell only had 141 wins. He was on a lot of bad Indians team teams. Lemon was over 200. Now, wins are not an end all be all, but Lemon had 2,850 innings. McDowell had 2,492. And that also shows that, you know, the flame out with McDowell, because you think about Lemon, he missed the years in his early 20s. He could have easily had a lot more to him. Uh, whereas McDowell, it didn't go too far into his 30s because of his problems with alcohol abuse. So I I go to Lemon. Uh, Sutton Sam is a huge lefty. is very tempting. Uh, And if we're talking like peak Indians, he's certainly in that peak Indians rotation. But I think Bob Lemon has to be the fifth. McDowell, the sixth guy, I would say early win is seven. And then probably Kluber eight with Mel Harder, nine. And that's that's kind of the rotation for me at this point. Uh, I guess if you're talking about such things, you'd really can you leave things at nine? Can we not go to a whole number? I mean, my 10th is probably the Oli's underrated uh, Mike Garcia, who uh, at, I think at some point during this conversation, I was conflating and putting McDowell and Lemon together, even though their careers were not together. They were kind of the handoff it was Garcia, who was with Lemon an early win. And then you had Louis Tion with McDowell and um, Tommy John for a little bit in there as well. So there were two different era eras and, uh, it's just a shame. I mean, they had that great pitching uh, at the top of both of those times. Sonny Siebert was also um, with, uh, with, I believe, the Sam McDowell era of things. So they they had really strong pitching during that time, but uh, just could not get past uh, some stronger teams, or if they had the pitching, mm-hmm. they didn't have the hitting. There's a, a lot of fun things to look at when we look at the history of the Cleveland Indians. I mean, I, like I said, I, I want to just dive deep into the Luke Easter story. It's It's utterly fascinating. Um, just looking at the numbers for one of those peak runs uh, and that's not even talking about like I said the the pitching in here where you have you know, Addie Joss dying young you've got Bob Feller one of the great fastball artists ever uh, Stan Kovaleski who was just utter nails for those early teams we talked about Cy Young for crying out loud and then you got uh, multiple Hall of Famers and Corey Kluber who just finished off one of the best runs in Indians history as well it's a a fascinating thing to look at when you look at the Cleveland Indians. Um, and we'll have guys continuing to move up this list. Clevenger and Carrasco are already in the top 50. Bieber will enter in the next year or two. It's going to be fun to watch and see how this all changes. But we do have a rotation set. That leaves us with relievers. Um, I, I can't cheat there because uh, none neither McDowell or Lemon were ever really a reliever for any extended period of time. These are guys who were mostly starters. There wasn't even like a season I can pull and be like, uh, oh yeah, there was a strong season. It's like Lemon's final two years that were not strong were in the pen. And McDowell had some, even towards the end of his career, he was mostly a starter. So I, I can't cheat with that going forward. I want to thank everyone for listening this week. We are going to have some fun um, sponsorship news, some other things going on. Uh, so stay tuned as always. I hope you've enjoyed Kind of this dive into Indians history. I, I find it fascinating. I don't know if everyone else does. We'll get back to the virtual Indians on Monday. Uh, we'll do the all-time Indians relievers, kind of finish this up. That will be a very short list just because, again, relievers either became starters or they've only really existed as a consistent thing since the about the 80s. So uh, that will not take anywhere near as long as uh, this long Hall of Fame loaded group of starting pitchers thank you. You are always the reason that this show can continue to exist. Um, I'm very grateful to all of you during these troubled times for continuing to listen, review, uh, download. Positive feedback is, is huge for me. So thank you all. And as always, Go Tribe!